Yeah, welcome to the Nigeria Filmmaker, a podcast about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Wale Aditula, the CEO of TNC Africa. They are a company with a mission to take in African stories to the world. We talk about the origins of the company, their data-driven approach to content, and key issues on the Nigerian film industry. If you're a new listener, you're welcome and I hope you enjoy. Alright, hi Wale, you're welcome to the Niger Filmmaker. Hi Salah, thank you for having me on. Okay, so can you introduce yourself? Um, yeah, um, my name is Wale Aditula. I'm the CEO of uh, TNC Africa. Um, maybe I should give a bit of background on TNC Africa. Um, But TNC Africa is a production company, um, a TV production company. Um, We say our core vision is to take original African stories to the world, and that's why we exist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, um, you know, how did um, the TNC brand start? Wow. Um. TNC brand um, start evolved from um, uh, the brand called The Naked Combos. So The Naked Combos used to be an um, online um, engagement platform um, or community that I founded um, early 2010. Um, So at the time, basically, there was a gap um, in the society. We, We noticed that there was nowhere for young um, Nigerians or young Africans, as it were, to go to, exp- you know, really express themselves, especially when it comes to certain sort of topics that the broader society considered taboo, you know, so things mm-hmm. like, you know, sex, sexuality, religion, in that non-traditional sense of it, or even career, you know, again, in that non-traditional sense. So a lot of young people were itching to have conversations and you know this was 2010 where social media wasn't what it is today there wasn't you know twitter was still very early days facebook wasn't quite the right platform and all of that right so yeah. we created that community where young people could come together to have these conversations and um that's kind of like how T- the naked convos um tnc started and that community then grew and grew and um, one of the ways of expressing um, your views or opinion on things was through storytelling. And um, so we got a lot of people coming on the platform to express themselves by writing fiction, right? Short stories or short fictional series or things like that, right? Yeah. Um, and that was kind of like where we identified the fact that a lot of these young people were quite talented and we could there was an opportunity to work with them to further sort of develop their talent, right? Um, So around 2016, when we knew that, you know, a lot more sort of avenues to express yourself was available. Um, You had Twitter, you had all these thriving social media platforms. We were looking to sort of pivot the business into something else. And um, so we decided to move from, that community where people could publish written or fictional um, um, storytelling and as it were 
yeah. into more visual form. So that was kind of like where we started the journey to evolve into um, the brand now, which is more known as TNT Africa, um, where we, you know, tell original African stories through um, visual TV productions. Yeah. Okay. And um, before you actually like, you know, started um, some of the TV content that is on your YouTube um, you did um, podcast versions of different stories. Yeah, yeah. So um, we've always had a very sort of experimental mindset uh, in our business, right? So even once we sort of land on a particular area of opportunity, we want to, before even before we land there, we want to start exploring, experimenting with different sort of formats, different kinds of stories and things like that, right? So um, one of the areas that we actively researched when we before we landed on visuals was um, the podcast form. Um, again, we started very early. Uh, this was around 2016 where podcasts weren't the biggest thing or weren't that sort of popular as, as you have it today. Yeah. Um, so we experimented with doing um, interview style podcast or, you know, um, 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 different styles where people could just engage on different topics. And then we also messed around with fiction drama type of, you know, pod podcast where you're actually telling, doing a story, you know, in a drama format or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was where we first got the idea to say, oh, you know what, there could be something here because the response was, as at that time, depend because even though podcasting wasn't quite popular, the response was very impressive. So we decided to push that a little bit further to then develop what we call um, very sort of ambient type of storytelling with with that podcast medium. So it's what you see platforms like Wondry and even Audible and the likes doing now, yeah. where you you take uh, uh, an audio story and you 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 go overboard with all the sort of like um surround sounds and all the sound effects to really immerse the listener into that that experience right yeah. so that was something we started off experimenting with um you know between i'll say between 2018 and 2016 and today we have a few of those stories available on our youtube channel yeah and other sort of podcast um, platforms as well. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like, you guys, um, I guess, launched your YouTube um, channel in 2020, at the end of 2020. Yes, 2020, towards the end, yeah. Yeah, and, um, I mean, from interviews you have given in the past, you said you know, you guys' approach is data-driven because even, you know, the subscriber count of your YouTube channel kind of grew quite fast. Yeah, everybody says that because, yeah. yeah. How did you grow it that fast? And all the data you have been getting from, you know, the podcast when you did it and also like your first few productions on the YouTube channel, like what did you learn? So I think as a business, we've always been very data-driven. I mean, even when we ran the community, we usually let the data guide us, you know, in terms of decision-making. 
which is something that I always advocate for, um, especially within the creative industry. I, I have a lot of friends and, you know, colleagues within the creative space. And I see that as creatives, we always want to sort of defer to that creative side of thinking first without necessarily layering over over the available data. I mean, it's not all the time that you need to make decisions with the data, your guts or, you know, whatever it is you've learned from experience might drive that. But it's always good to at least see the data so you can marry both together. So in everything we do as a business, we prioritize data. So going into even our decision to launch with YouTube as a platform was very data-driven because our, our vision is very clear, right? We want to take original African stories to the world. There are so many ways we could decide to do that. Um, we could decide to go into filmmaking and, you know, distribute via the cinema value chain or or do, you know, SVOD platforms or whatever it is, right? Yeah. But for us, we needed sort of data to give us feedback in terms of what exactly our potential um, viewers or, you know, consumers, whatever it is, what exactly do they want? What are the things that they like? What are the things that excites them? What are the things that don't and all of that? So we needed to launch on a platform that gave us access to all of that data that we could mm. mine, you know, to then answer those questions. And um, that was kind of like what, where, how we got to YouTube. Because if you look at SVOD platforms right now, the data you get back is very limited, right? They don't, you know, give you all the sort of nuanced details. You, yeah. you probably just, in fact, even some of them struggle to tell you, um, you know, how many how many uh, views that you got um, on your piece of content, right? What you yeah. see is um, watch hours and, you know, so that that's, there's a lot of question marks around that. So yeah, so that's why we chose YouTube because, you know, as a partner and as a platform, they were really, they stood out for us. So we landed on there and we've been, I guess, because of our experience in, in managing a community, we've been very community driven as a brand. Yeah. So you will see that our approach to brand building is very community heavy. Every single thing that we do, it's community first. It's almost like the 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 owners or the members of the community decide what we do, how we do it, and all of that, right? So bringing that thinking into YouTube really benefited us as well because you know a lot of people started seeing seeing um, seeing us doing things that other YouTube channels wouldn't do. So for instance, we always tell people that no comments goes unreplied on our YouTube channel. Like because we're there because of the of the viewers, right? So there is absolutely no reason why we shouldn't engage with our community. So if you post a comment and even if you say hi, we will respond to you, right? Because we we want to hear what you say. So that was one of the things that really caught people's attention. They were like, "Oh wow, these guys really want to engage," and yeah. they give us feedback. Oh, you know what? We like this content. We didn't quite like this, and they see that we take that feedback. And, you know, we use it when we're developing the next piece of content, right? So when that comes out, it's like they've they've been a part of that process. So, and everybody really, really likes things like that. So as a result of that, they'll probably go and tell five, 10 more people, oh, you know what, there's this cool YouTube channel where, you know, they really engage with their community. And as a result of that, we were able to grow very, very fairly quickly compared to other YouTube channels our age. Yeah. And would you say, um, you know, some of your audience members came from the blog and the podcast series, or you you basically started from scratch with YouTube? 
Oh, of course. Um, we definitely migrated some of our, our our you know audience from the website. But again, it's important to understand that there was a lag of about it was a four-year gap between when we kind of um, went down the website and when we started the YouTube channel. So yeah. some of these um, readers then have moved on and all of that, right? Um, so we couldn't, it wasn't like a direct migration. Um, so, but there, there were obviously still some fans of the brand that just followed us through to our YouTube channel. And then we had to win over a new set of, you know, viewers and all. So there was quite a lot of work done in awareness for us in raising awareness about our work, you know, um, being very active across other digital and social media platforms, just to let people know that we exist. Um, yeah, so all of that culminated into the results that we're seeing. Okay. And um, I mean, you know, going on, going on this, you mentioned that specifically for um, Little Black Book, you know, you, you also use this data to make it more engaging. So like, what were some of those things that you, apart from all the other data-driven work you've been doing, what particularly did you put into like little black book that built on you know what your audience members wanted to see yeah so i i think the the context is really first of all to say yeah along with data is just the, the whole you know that whole tech space being very um um tech driven in 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 the way we make decisions right so we are a creative first business yeah. however we are enabled by technology right so data is one leg of you know the the tech um sort of foundation that we stand on but apart from that we use that data to also sort of um embellish to make our content a lot better so one of the things that we've been able to do is um, um, uh, take that data and impute it into an AI system that we built um, to help us surface insights, right? So we live in an attention economy um, where everyone is fighting for attention, right? Uh, yeah. From your from all the different social media platforms to your SVOD platforms, you know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever. Everybody wants a piece of your attention, right? And we think that um, as creators, we also have the right, you know, to fight for that attention. And, you know, what then definitely there must be ways for us to optimize our work to retain more attention, right? Yeah. Because if there is a TV show that you love, right, you the chances of you binge watching you know, an entire season is a lot higher, right? So that TV show has your attention for, an, let's say, average of six hours if each each episode is an hour, right? That is attention, right? And the more attention you can command, the more sort of um, engagement you have, the more revenue you will be able to generate as a business long-term because if people are engaging with your content, chances are that could also lead to, to um, financial gains, right? So with that thinking was kind of like where we started from to then start looking at all the data that we were getting back from our content to say, okay, you know what? Let's say, for instance, take one episode of this series, right? Mm -hmm. um, let's break that down into minutes and into seconds. 
what were the points in which people got most excited, in which people got most engaged, right? Yeah. Is it when this particular plot line unraveled? Is it when this particular actor was on camera? Is it when this particular actor was on camera, right? So you take all those elements, right? And then you have that on the one hand. And then on the other hand, you now look at the sort of macro um, variables. So you look at generally, say, across social media or across the, uh, the social space, right? What are the other things going on outside that are generating engagement right now? So is there a particular trend on social media, you know, is there say like Afrobeats, right? Is big topic right now, yeah. or I'm a piano or something like that, right? Now we then dig a bit deeper into those trends to see if there are threads that we can pull in from those threads into storytelling that can drive more engagement for our stories, right? Um, it's a very complex process, so I always try not yeah. to sound too techy when I talk about it. But um, essentially what it is, it's a bit of machine learning where you are taking all of these data points into consideration and the AI system is going to surface suggestions. Now it's very important that these are suggestions. Yeah. It's not like, you know, the AI system is going to write a story for you or write a plot line for you. So we always start first from the creative idea the writer has an idea of a story. Um, a day went to the market and in the market, something insightful happened to him, blah, blah, blah. And it led to ABC, right? That's the story, right? Yeah. So we now take the insights that this system surfaces. And let's say an example could be, oh, you know, because Afrobeats is really hot right now. Okay, why don't we say when Ade went to the market, he encountered, you know, some sort of Afrobeat dancers or something like that, right? Yeah. So these are just examples or, you know, of plot points that we can include in the storytelling to make our story more engaging. And um, we've, we've built some, some, you know, software, some systems around this that we are currently using to optimize our storytelling. And one of the very first um, shows that we experimented with was um, our uh, black, um, Little Black Book. Yeah. And um, that was part of one of the reasons why the engagement level for that particular show um, was off the charts because we took those elements into consideration. And um, not only that, the show has since then, I mean, it went on to get nominated for the um, African Magic Viewers Choice Awards. It's been picked up by several um, um film festivals and and co so yeah it, it's it's still a work in progress but it's something yeah. it's a very exciting space that we're looking into okay nice congrats on the um emvca nomination yeah thanks thanks a lot yeah um so you know you guys started with with the visual content you guys started with um my name is AZ and that that was a podcast series and um you guys eventually you know did um Ashwabi and love music and dreams should we be expecting series for this one so you guys are working on some other stories well we, we're working on quite a lot right now um one, once we saw that there was a lot of um love for the 
um, podcast um, series, audio series. We decided to then start making more of them just, you know, um, to satisfy our, our audience base. So not all of them will be made into series, but there are some of them that have become fan favorites as well that we will probably eventually adapt into visual um, series as well. Okay. Um, you know, you've had a really prolific career, like from your tech days and, you know, working in DHL, I think GT Bank and some other um, organizations. Um, you know, how have all these experiences, you know, kind of culminated into you running TNT Africa today? Well, um, I think I'm I'm one of the few people who have been quite fortunate from a sort of career perspective. My my career has been largely within the marketing space. Um, I've been privileged to work across the pretty much entire value chain, worked in different roles within the marketing space across different markets. And for me, as a creative person, that sort of helps me not only sort of refine my work, um, become better with experience, but also, you know, network and meet a lot of people um, within the creative industry. It's really good to make sure that you are constantly sort of meeting people, um, testing your ideas, sharing, getting new ideas and all of that, right? Yeah. And working in marketing will do that for you um, um, because no matter where you work, you know, everybody always says that, you know, the marketing team is always the most exciting because there's always something happening and all of that. So that was a massive sort of, um, I'll say a privilege for me. Uh, and a lot of the experience and, you know, and a lot of the conversations from people that I've met in those in my um, nine to five career, I've shaped how I'm running the business, you know, shaped how, um, for instance, I talk about being very sort of data driven, very tech savvy, um, tech heavy. Um, it's a lot because of my background in tech. Uh, a lot of people do not know that I was a tech founder, you know, way back and, and all of that, right? So all of that comes to the fore. Um, also, the way we were very community um, focused um, with TNC Africa is also down to how some of the brands that I've worked with, um, they're quite very community driven as well um, and very innovative when it comes to marketing. Um, so, yeah, so I take all that learning and I, I bring it into the business. Um, the other good thing also, I always tell people that in the creative space, there's not there's not a lot of money. There's not a lot of funding. Um, everyone is always talking about the funding gap. Um, so that is why for me and my co-founders and partners, we decided to, you know, instead of going all in into the entrepreneurial side to say, you know what, for as long as we can, that is physically possible, possible um, we will keep our day jobs and, you know, um, so at least we can use that as a means of funding what we're doing within our business right and that has worked well for us and i always advise a lot of people who are um you know going into the creative space that that could be an option for you you don't have to choose one or the other mm -hmm. um you 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 know it, it's a labor of love right so whatever it takes sometimes you might just have to combine both to be able to get to your dreams um yeah okay um so yeah you you uh you co-founded your tech company years ago. Um, and, you know, co-founding something in tech space is a bit different from co-founding 
something in a creative space for you how have you and your co-founders you know kind of um consolidated ideas in terms of what you want to what you want to focus on which direction you want the company to go because we know that creatives they can get a bit emotional at times and you know um you you maybe you want to go in a certain direction, but because you're part of this bigger team, sometimes you have to, you know, um concede in terms of like maybe ideas that the brand focuses on. But how have you, you know, um navigated that in terms of you know TNC Africa? Uh first of all, I think I've been quite fortunate in terms of the co-founders that I have. Um, I mean, uh Daniel and Bimi, we go way, way back, right? So even before we became co-founders, we've been friends one way or the other. We've, you know, co-created stuff together. Um, so we've we've known each other for quite a while. So that's one. Um, two is I I don't necessarily think that there's that much of a difference in co-founding a tech company and a, I mean I think co-founding any business you know you, you need to have the right people with you along the way yeah. and you guys need to have you know very clear sort of guidelines you know established from even before you kick off the business right um, and you also need to ensure that the people that you are going on this journey with are people that you know you can you see yourself working with you know long term um and all um the, there there will always be instances where everyone does not agree um which is fine and i and i think that's it's quite healthy even for any business right but the thing is once you have clear guidelines on how to deal with those instances and everyone sticks to them then you know you should be fine that's why for us you know data is pretty very important because a lot of times when we get to those situations, we have to call on the data to help us make the decision, right? So yeah. if I'm thinking A and another person is thinking B, you know, what is the data saying, right? Is the data even saying C or is the data saying A or B, right? So we need to have something that we can refer to that will help. And, you know, in some instances, if, you know, the data is not really saying anything, right? Again, it's to have that clearly defined um, guideline to say, oh, you know what, if we go with this person's idea this time, do we go with the next person's idea next time? There just needs to be some kind of guideline. And if you have that in place, I don't think there will be any issues um, at all. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so at this point, we'll take a bit of a detour. Um, can you mention three random facts about you? Wow, three random facts. Yeah. Um, no, not many people know. Not many people know. Three random facts. Um, I, I, I read a lot. Um, so okay. maybe a lot of people don't know that, but I, I mostly only read memoirs and biographies because yeah. I, I like to learn from other people's mistakes and experiences. So. On average, I would read what fifty books a year. That's yeah. on a yeah, sometimes bad year, but sometimes I read more than that. Yeah. But yeah, I read a lot of biographies and memoirs. Um, what else? Um, I think a lot of people do not know. Yeah, that I I co-founded a tech company from way back, um, Icebox Studios. Um, that was the first business that well, one of the. <laughs> first businesses that I started yeah. um, and it was quite successful. We raised several rounds of several rounds and 
Um, at some point, we were the second largest um, software development company, um, web development company in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, um, and I exited the business in 2010. Um, yeah, uh, before I then went on to start the Naked Combos. So that's another major fact. And um, what else is there? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting question. Any, really... any um, peculiar hobbies? Peculiar hobbies. I won't say peculiar per se, but um, yeah, I I I love cooking a lot. Um, so I'm I'm probably yeah in in I could probably pass for a an amateur chef because okay. yeah. So and what was the chef special? The chefs, I I do everything. I, I do everything, but um, I really love uh, Italian food. So pasta is really great for me, you know. I, and I think if you can make pasta from scratch, that that qualifies you as some kind of amateur chef. Yeah, nice. You know, so recently, um, TNC Africa has um, premiered some some short films on the YouTube channel. Um, so is this, is this um, TNC Africa, you know, moving into the, let's say, distribution space? Interesting. A few people asked us about that. I, I, I And for us, it's not definitely not something that we want to do or be known for um, to say, look, we're now distributors, right? No. Um, I think our vision is what is so important for us, right? Um when I say that we want to take original African stories to the world, right? It means that anywhere great African stories are being told, you will find us there and we will amplify it to, you know, as many people as possible. That is what we want to do because the truth is we can't boil the ocean, right? We have minimal resource, right? If we had, even if we had all the money in the world, we still won't be able to make create enough do enough productions that will do justice to original african stories right so we are very collaborative right we're always looking for people to work with it's like you know what can we do what can we do what can we do right yeah. so in those instances where the opportunity is right right um where people have the great quality content that we think people should see that will do justice to you know original african storytelling our platform is there for people to use, right? So we have a YouTube channel with a, with a massive community. So if you think that your story is great enough and you're looking for a ready-made community that will help you even amplify that, reach out to us and, you know, we'll do that for you. But whether we will do that, we will now start doing that as a professional capacity, distributing to other sort of platforms or channels. I, I doubt that strongly. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, are you guys working on a streaming app? Um, so we, we, we're we not working on a streaming app. Um, a lot of people have asked us uh, to say, oh, you know, you have a thriving community. Why don't you take your own people and go away um, and create something? Uh, I think the thinking for us is there is no need to reinvent the wheel, right? Yeah. Um, there are so many platforms now that are slogging it out. And um, you, you can see from... The recent challenges with the, within the tech space, some of these platforms suffering seriously, right? Um, so there's absolutely no need for us to be 
layering on top of all of that, all of that, our own platform. Again, there's so many we can use to get the word out, to distribute content. So um, that's something we're not going to be doing. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, another off-topic question. So um, what has been your happiest um, Nollywood moment? So this could be first-hand happiness. So something that happened to you or your brand or something that happened happened for the industry. Oh, okay. Um, I, I think I, I was I, I did a guest feature on on, a, on an article. I wrote an article about earlier on this year, and I was um so just going through um reflecting on the previous year, and I I, I think for me, in a in many ways, it was one of the um, the best moments for me as a creator in this industry, and I'll tell you why. A lot of people say yes. Oh, there's so many challenges you know, and all of that, right? But I I get excited because I see certain things happening that, that weren't happening a few years ago, right? Yeah. So for instance, last year from January 1st, 2022, you know, we had a baptism of fire, you know, from Nollywood with um, the release of shows on on streaming platforms and the, the audience being so very vocal. Yeah. about you not liking it right and and i think that that is great Be the fact that people care enough that they will share feedback with the community even yeah. as loud as possible right because that is what we as you know creators can then take as feedback and go and improve on ourselves i mean we shared so much feedback that you know the head of one of the largest production companies in nigeria you know sent out a personal message to everyone right that is something that we've never seen before, right? Mm. You know, you are seeing a lot more senior stakeholders come out to take responsibility, come out to, you know, engage with the audience, which is something some of us have been asking for, right? There's no, there's no, there's no way you can, you know, develop in, in, in isolation, right? You need to engage with stakeholders, right, as much as possible. And we're starting to see that happen. Um, we're starting to see a lot more ambitious projects. Um, you're starting to see producers take risks. I mean, um, um, movies like uh, Brotherhood happened this year, you know, um, um, in the last one year, Aimo Fair and the likes, you know, you've seen movies like Mami Wata going to Sundance, mm. um, you know, we're seeing our movies featured at uh, Berlin Nails, you, you know, so there's, there's definitely a lot of progress happening. It might seem slow, it might seem, um, you know, like a drop in an ocean, but yeah. um, those of us within the industry, we can see it and there are things to get excited about. Yeah. Okay. So next question. Yeah, what do you what do you draw your inspiration from? Um I I draw my inspiration from other, you know, creative people. So and just people life generally. That's kind of like why I told you I read broadly. I also consume quite a lot of media. So if if there's something new, something exciting out there, I will watch it no matter how, you know, good or bad people say it is no matter where it's from i will still be curious enough to watch it to form my own opinion right mm -hmm. and i think it's very good as creative people for us to you know watch and consume creative content as broadly as possible 
because you just never know where inspiration will come from. Okay. Nollywood um, has, you know, up their game in terms of the quality of stuff they are shooting and the, you know, the skill. But I think one thing that hasn't grown that much is the marketing budget. And, um, you know, maybe sometimes some projects suffer for this, you know, um, they are not able to um, make back that um, money that was invested into the content. Since you've worked in marketing a bit, um, can you kind of break down like some key pillars in, you know, trying to market content, like what you have to do to get it right? What are some key key things you need to do? I think um, it depends on on your objective, right? What exactly do you want to achieve with the content that you're creating? First, it's so important that you understand that and it's very clear. Once you understand what your objective is, then you start forming who your target audience is, right? So who are you going to be talking to that will help you achieve your objective? Mm-hmm. Once you once you then know who you're talking to, then the other sort of pieces of the puzzle, like what sort of channels that you prioritize, um, what sort of KPIs that you use to measure success, all those and all the likes will fall in place. But it's so important that you start with those two key points. What is the objective? What's the business goal here? And secondly, who exactly are my are my stakeholders? Who are the people that I should care about? And I think that's why a lot of people get it wrong um because if you're not clear on what the objective is you can easily get swayed by popular opinion or what seems to be on trend yeah. you know even though that is not aligned with your business goal i see a lot of sort of movies um being made in nollywood that are going straight to cinema and you know even with the little marketing budgets that they have they focus on the wrong, 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 wrong channels um, because probably that's that's how everybody does or that's how everybody does it or that's what everybody does. So yeah. for instance, I always ask people, does every single movie need a premiere, right? It's yeah. a valid question. Yeah, you might say everyone is doing it, but doesn't necessarily mean that you need to do it, right? Yes, the, the people who can afford a premiere will do a premiere. Um, and we can even speak to why or how important premieres are and what you should do for your premiere to 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 to, to meet its purpose, right? Yeah. Um, but if it's not for you, it's not for you. Imagine all that money that you use to cough up a premiere. Imagine you invest in it into some other marketing channel, um, you know, direct marketing, whatever it is, right? Where you're engaging with your potential viewers one-on-one and telling them, you know what? Go to the cinema. There's this movie with, you know, Genevieve, Omotodai, whatever it is in it, go and watch, right? Versus a premiere that you probably cannot amplify and nobody's going to know that you even did it, right? So it doesn't do anything for you, right? So again, it's down to those business goals. If you're very, very clear on it, then you will know who you're talking to. Then you know how to prioritize your, your scarce resource, your budget, and you can deliver better results. Okay. Um, so, you know, since last year, TNC has been teasing the new series, Ololade. Any updates on the release schedule? Have we? <laughs> we've, we've not really teased. Um, I think there was just a, a, a little thing in the press about that. But yeah, but we, we've been, 
quite busy over a lot over the last year um uh there's there's a couple of our productions that are in um, post that we're working on mm-hmm. um there are a couple other shows that are in development as well so it's been more sort of quiet background work for us but there's definitely work going on yeah. um Ololade in particular is due for launch this year sometime this year um and we will be putting out you know details of that shortly uh soon enough right mm-hmm. um there there are other shows like i said that, that we are working on and um yeah expect to hear from us um soon enough yeah okay um so yeah you you consume a lot of um content media content um was that one would i say tv or tv series or movie that if you are stuck on an island you are happy to keep rewatching <laughs> everybody who follows me on social media they know i'm obsessed with uh, succession um or pretty much any most of the major shows from HBO, right? So um, Succession and Yellowstone are two of my very best shows right now. Um, I watch them religiously. I just think that they are very, very expertly done. Um, Mm. Delivery from the actors, everything is just so on point. Um, And I, you know, you, you can't go wrong with an HBO show. They just, they just seem to keep churning them out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm suspecting that maybe you've you've done a bit of research on HBO. What do you think is their secret sauce to you know creating like really good shows? Oh, I'm an I'm an HBO scholar. There's literally no book on HBO that I haven't read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, there's so many factors, right? But it it boils down to a business that understands how creative people work, right? A network that understands how creative people work. Um, it's it's not it's not um it's not strange to see that um from a business perspective hba is not one of the strongest networks or svod platforms out there yeah. and it's because they prioritize you know other things over some of the business uh, needs right um they give they're known for giving creative people space to to really really you know develop themselves and you know go at things right whereas other networks or other platforms will be very very tight in terms of um in, they'll, they'll be very tight in terms of um how they police what people are doing yeah. and all of that right you know everybody every creator always says that whenever they send in a, a cut and they get notes from execs they're always like you know, very, very anxious. But when it comes to HBO, even when they send you notes, right, the notes are sent and are written in a way that you as a creative person, you know that these guys are really interested in adding value to my content mm. as opposed to just, you know, frustrating the the work, right? So I think giving creative people um, that sort of space to thrive is one of the key success factors, right? And um, I think another thing is HBO is one of those networks that um, they really, really take their time before when they are piloting, um, when they are picking content to produce, right? And because they have years and years of data, they are also very, very data driven, right? So they rely on that data to really help them 
when they are um, um, choosing content that they will green light, that they will pilot and things like that. So it's a combination of those factors. And I think it's it's important for us as creative people to to also learn from them. Okay. You know, currently in Nigeria, like um, the film industry is growing, but we can say that um, in terms of, you know, the creatives, the stories, like we don't have, for a country of 200 million, um, we don't have that many people in the creative space, you know, filling filling in all these different roles on productions. And you could say that if there are two major two major projects shooting in Nigeria, like it's going to be hard for a third production to find skilled crew. Um, what do you think we're missing in terms of, you know, incentivizing young people to join the industry and, you know, fill up the skills gap? Well, I, I think there's there's so much that can be done in, in that. And it, it has to be a collective effort. As it is right now, um, we it's it's mind-boggling how we kind of like um, prioritize other industries over the creative space, especially mm-hmm. industries that are um, that have higher levels of barrier to to entry versus the creative space. I always tell people, I I have so many friends in tech. I love the tech space and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. But if we're if we're being you know real with ourselves, the barrier to entry in tech is so much higher compared to barrier to entry in in that creative space. If I want to become a developer or even a front end designer or whatever it is right now, at the barest minimum, I need a laptop, right? Yeah. To be able to get to work, right? Um, whereas if I want to be a script writer or, you know, I want to develop creative ideas, I mean, not necessarily need a laptop straight away. I need a piece of pen, a piece of paper and a pen. I can start writing down my ideas, right? And boom, that puts me solely and firmly within that creative space. You don't need all of that to become, to to start training to be a gaffer, you know, or be a sound person, right? These are low hanging fruits that if, you know, um, we as a collective, and that includes the government of the day and, you know, people within the industry as a collective come together to say, look, you know what? This is an area that we can focus on, right? And it will do so much good for the country as a whole. Um, a lot of people always talk about the success going on in the music industry right now. Yeah. And even though people always say, oh, you know what, you can't compare that. Um, I always tell them that you obviously, you really can. Um, the advantage that the music industry has is that there's been um, independent um, um, you know, um, parties, uh, individuals, businesses that have come into the space to democratize it, right? Yeah. I dabbled into music making in my creative days. I used to produce music, record, you know, all of that, right? So I know exactly how it works. I used to own a record label, everything, right? So, um, you know, if you look at what 10, 15 years ago, what you'd have to do to record a demo, you would literally have to go and look for a studio, this, that, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But all of that, and then you, when you finally record it, you have to go through that whole um, um, radio radio station, you know, to get your music out there and all of that. But look at all that middle middlemen, all the all those middlemen and all of that. It's all gone now because I can literally 
even almost with my phone, I can record a demo or let's even say, you know, I, I, I go to a studio. Studio sessions are way cheaper now or I have a laptop. I can, you know, get Pro Tools, GarageBand, whatever it is. I create my beats. I record my song, mix everything. And straight from that same laptop, I upload it. Boom. It is on iTunes. It is on Boom Play everywhere. I don't, there is no middleman, right? Mm -hmm. It is completely democratized. And that exactly is what one of the things that is really influencing all the sort of, you know, um, progress that we are seeing in the music space. Of course, it's quite different with movies because, you know, the 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 cost, right, is quite different for you to produce content. If you want to do a short film now, it is also getting cheaper because yeah. even with the odd camera phone now, you know, the camera quality getting great, cameras are getting cheaper and all of that, right? So you can, access is getting better, but it is not there yet, right? Um, but I think that, if we make that decision as a collective to say, look, this is one area we want to focus on, right? Um, as a nation, right? And everybody gets behind it. Um, it's something that can be quite beneficial to all of us. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you studied um, systems engineering at Unilag. Um, looking at the Nollywood system, what do you think is in critical shape that we need to you know, improve? I, a lot of people always say that, you know, when you, when you talk of Nollywood, the first thing people talk about is funding, funding, funding. And, and I, I agree. Yes, funding is a major issue. There's a massive funding gap. But I don't think it's the most important thing for us. I think um, the lack of capability and transparency is probably our biggest issue. Mm. So first of all, the reason why a lot of people do not know the challenges we have in Nollywood is because there's no transparency. Um uh, there's not a lot of transparency. You don't see a lot. I mean, when I was, when I, I'm literally new in the industry, only got serious in Hollywood from what, 2016 thereabout. Yeah. And when I wanted to get into the industry, the first thing that I do, like I do with everything I do is read. I'm looking for, um, you know, for publications, for books, for anything that I can consume that will tell me about what I'm getting into. But I, there just wasn't, right? I couldn't find enough. Um, I was privileged enough to know people who could introduce me to people to say, you know, I'll talk to this person or go and meet this person. They will let you get on a set so you can see things for yourself. And yeah. that was how I started my learning process. But how many people have that privilege? How many people know those people? They don't, right? Um, you know, a lot of us producers, when we're fundraising, a lot of questions and, you know, obstacles that we meet is when you're talking to potential investors, they'll tell you, you know what, I don't know anything about your industry, right? And why is that? Because we're not sharing enough. We're not transparent enough. You know, this is the biggest movie in the box office. How much did it cost to produce that movie? Mm. Who, what did each department get, right? What is this person getting and all of that, right? I know it's, it's tricky, but it's something we absolutely need to do for yeah. us to be able to get the help that we're looking for. Transparency, one. And second is capabilities, right? Um, like you said, if if about five production companies are shooting simultaneously in Nigeria, you will struggle to find talent. What am I even saying? Let's even say three. Let's say yeah. the three top production companies are shooting or filming you will struggle to find talent because the gaffer you are looking for is probably on this person's set. Mm. The makeup person you are looking for is probably on this person's set. So 
we need more and more people. And even the existing people we have, there is massive capability gap because these guys are hopping from one set to the other, to the other, to the other. So where is the time to develop yourself, right? Yeah. Where is the time for them to attend workshops, for them to learn all the new tricks, all the whatever? We talk about, you know, a lot of times when I see people complain about Nollywood production, it is always down to story, 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 story. How many high-profile writers, you know, screenplay screenwriters do we have in Nigeria, right? Yeah. You, you know, that's the problem. And of that number, you probably have, what, 60, 70% of them tied up with one particular network because they are working on a 360 episode production, right? So yeah. if that is the bulk of, you know, your industry, what else, who else is out there, right? So again, capability is so important, right? And, and I think we're not doing enough to... To, to get more people into this ecosystem and to also improve the skill level of those within the ecosystem. Okay. Um, I mean, I think another part of it is, you know, um, the welfare of people in the industry. Do you think, like, maybe the strengthening of labor laws to be inclusive of the film industry, do you think that will help? Because I think at the moment, some productions, you know, take advantage of, crew members and you know always have some kind of dodgy um arrangements in terms of payments what do you think um labor laws will help in that regard yeah labor laws will always will always help right but you know it's, it's a matter of chicken and egg right if you put in labor laws right now into an industry where um a lot of producers are struggling to raise funds and um you know, struggling to break even on productions, then it becomes a major challenge because people will know. I mean, that's kind of like what's impacting our distribution choices right now. You see a lot of productions going straight to SVOD platforms as opposed to the cinema. And you're wondering why, because the cinemas just don't make business sense, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you now add on top of that, um, um, and maybe I should say that it, does, it doesn't make a lot of, the cinemas don't make business sense for it for everybody right maybe for the bigger produ production companies it does right but yeah. for the small independent producers it, it, they will struggle to break even right so if you now add labor laws on top of that you are going to further complicate things i think it's right for us to have labor laws but we need to consider the landscape right you need to look at the landscape what we should be doing is you know improving the landscape as a whole first right so if the government is the one that is going to bring these labor laws. Well, why doesn't the government, you know, work with, you know, the right people to structure and standardize the industry in such a way that we have more um, capability, right? So if you have a lot more people, a lot more gaffers, a lot more sound people, a lot more lights people, a lot more, you know, writers, right? And um, we now start attracting foreign direct in in investments, right? There's no reason why we can't, have an editing suit based in Nigeria, editing a movie done in India or done in Hollywood or done wherever. I mean, look at South Africa, look at how much, you know, they're attracting um, um, productions to the country right now. So once you start, you know, bringing in more investments, you know, um, into the industry, automatically the, the, the lifestyle and the remuneration for those within the industry will have to 
improve to match the amount of money that is coming into an industry. I mean, that's how industries are built everywhere in the world. It is not just by force, right? You can't force force your way into it because that's not, not just going to work. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So how can people keep up with you and the work you do at TNC? Um, you can find us at TNT Africa everywhere. TNT Africa on Twitter, TNT.Africa on Instagram, and just search TNT Africa on YouTube. You see all our content. Um, myself, my ID is uh, The Tools Man. Uh, you find me on Twitter quite a lot, um, sometimes on Instagram as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty very easy to find. Okay. All right. Thanks. Um... Wale for coming on the Nigeria Filmmaker. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate it. I think it's been an interesting conversation. Um, thank you for all the questions. And I think we definitely need more and more of people like you and more and more platforms like this in the industry. Like I keep saying, transparency will really help us um, go a long way. We have come to the end of this episode. Remember to rate and review the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Film and the podcast at the Niger Film Pod to share your feedback. You can now support the podcast by visiting the website to donate. See you on the next episode. Have a good one.